Brighter Media Group original. It's Your Day Brighter, the podcast. Real reasons to have hope in this world. I'm Tracy Tiernan, and joining me today is my friend, Stacey Loveless. She is a force for Christ on this earth. Love overflows from her. If you get anywhere near her, look out because you're going to get splashed with it. (laughs) (laughs) I'm I'm really excited that you're here today, Stace, and going to share some of your story. You do amazing, beautiful work in the world, um, helping people, helping some of the most vulnerable among us who are struggling with addiction, who are in recovery. You're on the front lines. Um, You have got a big heart. Um, And so I, I want like... I want you to, before we jump into your story, give me some words that you would use to describe you. Oh, that's tough. I'm not good at that, and I don't hate compliments well, and I think a lot of people feel that way. But I think to describe me now would be a listener um, where I never was before. It was always about me, Mm -hmm. Um, even if it was for the thank you. The self-centeredness piece was still there. Um, but today, um, I'm a God-fearing woman that just love, kind. I, I try to practice that in everybody that I meet. Um, even this morning, just meeting a guy in 7-Eleven and offering to pay for his coffee because I could tell he was struggling. And and he was just like, why are you doing that? And I'm like, just because I hope somebody would do it for me. Mm. And, you know, so it's just learning to love and, and be kind even in the worst situations to people. Um, that's just, I mean, it's what I believe in. And that's you. That's who you are. Mm-hmm. That's who you are. So, Stacy, you are the director of Love Wins House. Can you tell us about Love Wins and what your role is there? Okay, so um, I work for the Churches I've Run, and it's under the nonprofit, the Love Wins Movement. Um, and I am the recovery director for the recovery piece of that. And we also have a pantry under that, and we have missions around the world. And I'm so blessed to, to get to do that every day. Mm, that's a get to. I love it. What What is Love Wins House? Tell me what happens there. Love Wins Recovery House is different. It's completely different than any recovery house that I've ever been in or been a part of. Um, they believe in loving first, asking questions later. Whoa, um, that's, that's big. Mm-hmm. So uh, ha- has that been... You said that's really different from other places. It's really different for so many reasons because most recovery houses, it's about the money and it's about getting the rent check. And whatever you do, as long as you stay clean, you can stay in that house. And we're different. We're different for so many reasons because I make the girls meet with me one-on-one every week. Um, We set short-term goals, long-term goals, and they have to be achieving them. I don't care if they have eight months clean coming into the house. They're going to start working on on moving towards something. Mm -hmm. And and growth hurts. But if if you're not... If you're not in a, a constant stage of growth, then what, do, what are you doing? You're just you're riding the wave and, and just in survival just mode, in survival right? Survival mode, yeah. And it, it's hard when you're in addiction because you can't see that brighter side. But when you set those short-term goals, and I'm like, look where you here, we're here now. Look where you are. And even if it's just the fact that they start to talk, Kia, my house manager. A year ago, we would go around and do check-ins when I first started, you know, took over. And I, she, I would say, Kia, what's going on with you today? Because they would do, do you know, how, how around the room, how everybody's doing. And I'm good. Everything's good. I'm fine. 
now Kia quotes scripture and she's throwing at people and she's loving them and and she just blows me away. And so like I was sick two weeks ago. And Kia did one-on-ones with the girls every day. And when I came back, all the girls were like, Kia was like letting us talk about everything. And I was just like, I'm, it makes me wow. so proud. And someone said to me yesterday, be careful. She might work you out of a job. I'm like, that's that's the whole goal. <laughs> that's that's what I want. And they're like, but then you won't have a job. And I'm like, no, God will put me someplace else. Oh, but that's the whole goal. I want them to grow into where they need to be. If she comes tomorrow and they say, you know, Kia, you know, you did a fantastic job. I want you to take this over. I mean, I tell her every day I want her to take it over. And it's just, <laughs> and she, it's a different perspective yeah. um, of not holding that knowledge, but sharing that knowledge to grow for his kingdom. And it's just being able to watch her growth is just amazing. I'm watching your face. Just I get excited. You, you are. You're so radiant as you're sharing about mm-hmm. your friend and her progress. So you're, you're really, you're a mentor, um, one-on-one touching the lives of the women that are there, mm-hmm. building into them. And, and you talk about setting these goals. Stacy. so what would be an example, just an example of some goals for a woman in the Love Wins house? How, how do you go about setting those goals and what are some of those goals? So most of the girls that um, request it when they come in are given a full uh, full month scholarship. So they have a month to get their stuff, their affairs, their junk in order, and then we work on a job. But in that time, I take them over and introduce them to the well, introduce them to Hun's Honey, talk about that programming piece. And then I also, um, we work on, you know, okay, your driver's license, what's the status of it? Um, but what do we need to do to start? Do you have to take a, a class to get your license back? Okay, how can we look at that? And then the church a lot of times will help them with that, you know, as far as paying for that because they can't do it at this time. Or, And the church helps out in so many ways, and there's so many things and so many benefits, and it's all about communication. Um, obviously, mm-hmm. we can't help you if you don't talk about it. Right. But if you're keeping those thoughts in your mind of all these things that you got to do is worry and stress, yeah. and it, it weighs on you. And when you're coming out of addiction, you, you're already coming out of a black cloud. Mm-hmm. So it's just trying to line those things up and just say, look, you can see, you can see this. This is this is you. A month ago, you didn't get out of bed. Today, you're taking showers. That's right. That's oh gosh, that's so beautiful. The the dignity of that as someone being able to realize, hey, I I'm going to be okay. I can make little steps mm-hmm. to uh, taking care of myself, right? And to learning and becoming. And everybody's on a different level, and it's just seeing the girls. Like I said, I was I was there where I didn't want to shower. I had no I had no. Um, I don't know what the word is. I, ha- I had I had no love for myself. Mm. And it was just like, so of course I had no love for anybody else. I didn't care about anybody else. I was trying to survive. And there was many days, and if you had talked to any of the girls in addiction, you, you don't want to die, but you don't want to wake up. My gosh. And it's just dark. I think about uh, what a beautiful person you are. And to think of you not having any love for you. That's, that breaks my heart. <laughs> um, Stacy Loveless, you are so lovely. <laughs> Can you tell us a little bit about your story, Stace? Like, take us, take yeah. us back. Tell me, tell me about your, your childhood. Where did you grow up? And just, just let us into that story a little bit, if you don't well, mind. I grew up in Curtis Bay as a child. Um, so that would, that's what made me 
so wanting to come back to that neighborhood and not disowning the neighborhood because I could walk those streets as a child and not have an issue. And I'm going to get to know the people on the streets now and not have an issue. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I walk up to the dealers on the corner and I pray with them because they didn't want to grow up and be a dealer. Wow. That's that, that wasn't their choice in life. You're not looking at them and, and judging them, which is, I think is what a lot of people do because of fear, mm -hmm. you know. But you look you look at them differently. You look at them through a lens of love, wondering what their backstory is, Absolutely. and you offer to pray for them. Absolutely. And, I, you know, they know me when I know I don't have any trouble on the street. They back, they look out, uh, they cover my back. And, um, but they, when you sit and talk to them, it's just like they wanted to be a fireman. They wanted to be a doctor or a vet. That, you know, this wasn't their choice, but their cards were dealt differently. Yeah. And they're dealing with the best that they can. And a lot of the kids in the community are taken care of by the dealers in the community because their parents are absent. So, yeah, the dealers wow. are like, take this bag up to the end of the street and I'll ride it by New Jordans. You know what I mean? So the right. kids, that's how they're surviving. Right. So they also, that's how they get brought into that, you know, that into that that realm. Yeah. And it's just, it's a, it's a sad state of affairs, but you need, everybody needs to be treated with kindness and love. I don't care who you are. Yeah. That, there's, there's no question. Yeah. So you grew up in Curtis Bay. Oh, um, yes. Tell me about your family and just about your childhood, what it was like. Um, well, I, I started, well, my earliest memories was at the age of six, I was being abused. Um, and by one of a family member, um, and it continued, and I thought it was normal, and so I went to one of my friends' house. I was never allowed to spend the night anywhere or go anywhere or do anything. And um, so until I, ultimately they let me stay at one of my friends' house, and I was just like, this is weird. Their, their family's weird. They're having dinner together. They're, what are they doing? They're playing a game? What is going on? And it's just oh like, gosh. and just the not feeling on pins and needles waiting for the shoe to drop all the time. Wow. Um, and just noticing that, that there was a difference there. So, um, and then older, I, a lot of this came out with me when Elaine did my uh, four-hour video. Is that um, right? Oh, so you yeah. withheld this, this abuse, you endured this abuse as a little girl. And I pushed it so far down that I didn't remember it myself. My gosh, and how did it manifest itself in your life? Um, I realized that I had to be completely broken until I could build myself back up. Um, and it, it takes a village to raise an adult as well. <laughs> because if you're not loving on people and not being loved, then, it, it, you know, you have to have people around you that take care of you, that look at you, that you feel comfortable talking to. Yeah. Um, and the well did that for me. You and Elaine did that for me. Miss Debbie. There's so many people I could name that were my mentors. Mm -hmm. I didn't have one mentor. I chose 10 mentors <laughs> because I, I needed to be able to bounce different things off different people. Yeah. Um, and it, it, it until I was able to like really break it down and start doing therapy, like serious therapy with Miss Earl and just raising myself back up and awareness. And it was the best thing I ever did was going through the programming at the well because um, I lowered myself to a standard because everybody was looking at me as Stacy the Corrections because I was in corrections for almost 20 years and they thought that I was at a higher standard because they had never had jobs and they had never had this. So they looked up to you yes. as someone who 
didn't have as deep a problem mm-hmm. as they did? Is that right. was there some sort of hierarchy yeah. of like how? But there's tough, not. Right, right. There's not. But people <laughs> look at it finally, that way. Yes, they do. But when you finally realize, and I tell all the girls in the house now. I I am on the same level playing field as you. So is Pastor Drew. So is Vicky. So is we're all right here. Right. And God, all of us. And God doesn't elevate any of us to a different level in regards to that. He wants you to love people. Period. Amen. That's all He wants. And um, I don't think it's I don't think it's a hard thing to do. You know. Oh, it's we make just, it so hard though. We don't do. We? we do. But it's just. I mean, if I had to sum the Bible up in one word, it would be love. <laughs> you know, I might not be able to quote exact scriptures, but I know the words and I can quote it. Um, and it's pouring out of you. <laughs> <laughs> we are doing a study um, as a group and with my leadership, with our leadership team and through our loved ones movement staff. And we're doing Lead Like Jesus. Yeah. Oh, amazing. Um, yesterday we did... Uh, First Timothy three, one through seven, and it was like it was really impactful for me because it was like, yeah, I'm I'm really making sure I'm here for these girls. I'm going here. I'm doing this, and but how many times am I putting my family on the back burner? Hmm. And how am I teaching these girls that they shouldn't pay attention to their families because it's more important to to, to work with these people, right? And it's just like it really, and I shared it with Chuck last night. It was just like it's really impactful too. You got to go back to what are you doing in your home? What's going on in your house? How are you loving your family? Wow! And and because they're gonna come up and do what you're doing. See, you are a, a leader now, who is still learning. And, and like all in, you're hungry mm-hmm. to learn. Like what you just shared is something that I think a lot of people in ministry, like you are, need to be reminded of. Like we can't be so outwardly focused on taking care of the world that we neglect the people that are under our roof. Mm-hmm. And this is coming from a, a woman who grew up with a lot of pain in her home and her family of origin. Mm-hmm. There was a lot of pain there. Stacy, you mentioned a few times, you know, that you've been there. You've been there. How did some of the the trauma that you endured as a child eventually lead to you having a hard time with substance abuse and addiction? Can you tell me about that that time in your life and how you got in it and how you got out of it? Well, I was working at the jail for 18 years at the time that everything started. Um, And I... uh, I asked, it all started because one day I said to an inmate that had left, had done 18 months, got out, he was for drug possession, and less than a week later he came back in. He was one of my trustees to clean the offices, and we'll name him Charles, and I said, Charles, what are you doing back here? And I just don't get it. I mean, explain to me how I can make this different for you. Hmm. And he said, Miss Stacy, you're not an addict, you'll never understand and it like broke my heart a little bit because why can't I understand what's so different? And I remember asking God that day, God, just show me a little bit, show me a little bit of what Charles is going through. And it was less than a year later that I was drinking um, mm-hmm. and the way that I was drinking. But I, it, it was like the perfect storm. Um, I was in a marriage with a narcissistic man um, and it was very controlling, very dark, very, I didn't want to go home. I would do anything to, to escape going home. It was, emo- it was emotionally abusive. Mm-hmm. Never never physical. 
but the emotional scars were so much more. Yeah. Um, and it's just, he like eventually got me away from my family. I would, I didn't talk to anybody and it was just easier not to talk to people than to deal with the, of him following me from room to room to room. What did they say? Well, this is why they said it. They don't like you. They're not really doing this to you of him tearing me down. And my kids were there and they were watching it, you know? And it's just like one day I was like, I don't want my kids to grow up and feel like this is a normal relationship. Right. Um, but I had to get a second job at the time. So I started bartending down the street at this restaurant. Still was never a drinker. Um, but I was having trouble with falling asleep at two in the morning, getting awake, waking up at three, at four to go back to the jail. So, cause I was working two full-time jobs. Wow. So you're exhausted. I was exhausted. You're being emotionally abused. Mm-hmm. You're and being broken down. I was in charge down. of a $6 million contract at work for the jail. And it was negotiating back and forth between software companies and my boss, um, at, at where I worked for the IT department said, you're going to convince the jail to use this product. And I'm like, I'm not doing that because I know it's not the right product for them. And it, like, put me in a really bad position where he wanted me to kind of deceive the people at the jail. And that was my family. I'd worked with them for 18 years. And I'm like, I'm not doing it. So it was a constant every single day. So it was, you know, just the, the marriage. And and so when I was bartending, a lady, one of the ladies that was bartending with me, she's like, here, try this. This will help you sleep tonight. And it was a shot of Tuaka, I think. I don't remember now. But it was... Uh, and. Every night I would start doing that. Well, then one wasn't enough. Then mm-hmm. two. Then before you know it, okay, I can do this on the way home to escape uh, dealing with him. Right. And then I would go bartend and then uh, that at night. So then it was two times a day I was doing it. And then before you know it, I was shaking one day and didn't know why. I oh. mean, it hit me so hard and so fast. Wow. Um, And it it just, it was a real eye opener for me. And, you know, it just got worse. It got to, I couldn't leave him because he convinced me I wasn't strong enough. Um, I had nowhere to go. I had no, he convinced me I had no family to support me. I had nowhere to go. Um, And he was going to take my son. And so it was, but it wasn't until I got his UWI um, and I had to go to the jail that I worked at. And I had to be stripped by, searched by the people that were working for me. And it was, and I had to tell them, you know, they were like, because they were, they were crying. And they were like, I, I can't do this. And I'm like, you're going to do your job and you're going to do it right because it's going to be looked at. And so I had to go to isolation for two months um, in the jail that I worked at. <laughs> um, oh and it gosh. was it was a very eye-opening day. Um, it's where I believe I first really and truly met the Lord. Hmm. Um, it was a Memorial Day. The angels, hell's angels are flying over. What are they called? Oh, Blue Angels. Blue Angels. <laughs> hell's Angels and Motorcycle Club. I knew them too. <laughs> angels all around. So the Blue Angels, you remember vividly. You were mm-hmm. in there. Yeah, it the, was an overcast day. And then with it, the, the sunlight that came through that window, of a, I couldn't even see out. I could see the Blue Angels flying over. But I couldn't like to see down or anything. But the the light that shines that window, I never felt that warmth, so warm, so peaceful. And it's just like I'm, you know, I'm not saying that Jesus popped in. Hey, what's going on, Stacey? It was it was just that peaceful glow, and that I was on my knees already reading the Bible, and it was just an amazing moment. I chase that, I chase that now. 
because you know it's just a different a different feeling when you know that you're loved yeah when you know it fully and truly it changes everything yeah absolutely so he met you absolutely intimate moment there in jail how did you find your way out of out of jail and then chasing that as you said chasing that intimate relationship with christ and then healing from some of the trauma in your life how did you build a bridge to a different life they um put me through the drug court program um which saved my life there's no without a doubt the drug court program for anyone to county saved my life wow um they put an ankle bracelet on me that test my blood alcohol every half hour wow. and i had a four-year sentence over top of my head because it was my third dwi wow and um and it without a doubt if it wasn't for judge parlor on the drug court and um and I can name so many other people, but um, if it wasn't for the way that they cared for me um, and showed me that the legal system can be positive, not always negative, um, but it is hard to get out of it once you get into it. And that was another thing I never understood with the inmates of why don't you just pay the sign and be done with it? Right. It's just like once you get caught up in that system, it's so hard to get out of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, and it still follows me to this day, and I've got over 10 years sober. Mm-hmm. And it's just, you know, it's it'll always be there because, you know, the MVA stuff don't go away. Wow. So I always have those three DWIs. Now they're a positive affirmation for me to say, yeah, I got three DWIs. Let me tell you what happened. Right. It's your you story. I mean? It's my story and I own it. And I think that's the difference is when you take freedom, there's, there's such a freedom in just putting it out there. And not hiding from it and not being ashamed and not being saying, yeah, I mean, I don't need to tell you the details of everything to happen to me and my trauma, but I can tell you who did it and how it made me feel and how it changed my perspective in my life. Yeah. And, um, and you're not alone. And come on, let me hold your hand. Let's go through it. You know? You're such a person of peace, too. As I, I'm listening to you share your story, there's... There's so much peace that flows out of you, Stace, and the pressure being off of having to pretend, you know, to to be something mm-hmm. that you're not or try to appear to have all these things together. Like sometimes the messages that we receive from the world, mm-hmm. right, is they want the appearance of we, we got it all going on. We got it all together. Um you're you're a woman of peace. I'm just done with all that. Um, no, I don't make $100,000 a year anymore. Um, and for a long time, I didn't make any money. In a year while I was staying with my, my, my nephew, I watched his kids. And it was just like it's very humbling to realize that God still provides. You know what I mean? And when you have absolutely no money coming in, but you got a roof over your head, a bed to lay in, food on your mouth, you know, it's just like he puts you there. He, he's taking care of you. He feeds the birds. You know, he feeds the birds. He, he can take birds. care of you if he's the feeding the birds. does not worry where his next meal is coming from. Isn't that just amazing? Mm-hmm. So, Stace, how did you find, we, we've mentioned a few times, we've mentioned the well. Oh, yes. Um, our wonderful friends at the well in, in Curtis Bay. And uh, their website is drinkatthewell.org. And, of course, their uh, social enterprise, their mm-hmm. business is Hun's Honey, mm-hmm. and that's I know that's a big part of your story mm-hmm. as well. Um, how did you get introduced to the well? What kind of impact did that have um, on your life? Well, Chuck, the the my female fiance, Yay! this is our third time dating. Yay, Chuck! Um, he introduced me to um, a New Hope Church, and Mandy went there, uh, the executive director of the well. And um, we were talking one day, and she knew I was struggling with some stuff. And she's like, you really should just come out. She was just starting the well. And she was like, you should come up and check it out. And it was just like, 
when they told me it was in Curtis Bay and it was like the next block from my grandmother's house. And it was just, I was like, I felt home again, wow. you know, and I hadn't felt that for in a really long time to feel at home and at peace. And it really like walking through the doors really reminded me that there, and there is community, there is love. Um, and I'll be honest with you at first I was like, I can't do this because I never had female friends. Mm. because many reasons because one I thought I was weird because all these things that happened to me as a child um did you have shame were you dealing oh with- absolutely shame guilt I mean what did I do to make this happen mm. it's my fault um I was told all those things oh, so for so many reasons um but walking into the well and it's just like every job I ever had and working at the jail fem- females are catty <laughs> <laughs> They're just straight up catty. They can be. Yes, they, they can be. But I'm, but you know, until you get into a position of where you you don't care, right? Right. <laughs> like it's that's your stuff, not mine. <laughs> you have the issue, not me. <laughs> so um, it was hard for you to at first open your life up to to women. Mm-hmm. Um, and here, but here you are at the well, and you're learning. Wow, there really are people that love and care, and mm-hmm. the women is um, it, it's an amazing community of women, mm-hmm. women survivors that mm-hmm. are helping one another recover and rebuild their lives, helping one another to flourish. And it's it's really beautiful. It's very much reciprocal relationship in in the Absolutely. well. Um, and then eventually, you, you I mean, wherever you go, Stacey, you, you become a leader because I think really God put that in you. Um, and you worked at Hun's Honey for a while. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, well, I grieved me leaving the job. I mean, I literally, I didn't even realize you could grieve things, I don't think. But for like four years, I grieved because I was Stacey from the jail for 20 years. And it's just like, and it was hard until I laid that down. And then I became Stacy at the well. Wow. You know, but it was hard to lay that down. And I, I had to go through that grieving process. But then when we started Hun's Honey, it was amazing for me. Um, just learning how to do everything, empowering the girls to learn something new, teach them, walk with them, and then and say, here, now you do it. And they would look at you like, you want, you want me to do it? Yeah, I do. <laughs> and then watching them complete. I mean, I had had a career before, you know, but some of these girls had never had a job, had never done anything. And here I'm asking them to start something, com- walk through it and complete it. And complete it. And so many times the girls never realized that I'm teaching you how to do life skills. Right. Just by making sugar scrub. Mm, my gosh. What was the hardest life skill for you? Um, as you had gone through recovery mm-hmm. and now you're in your, you know, new life, mm-hmm. um, sober with your eyes open too, to, you know, uh, wow, I need, I'm going to need some support and some mm-hmm. help and God has a new purpose for me. What were some of the life skills that were hardest for you to wrap your arms around? I think one of the things is I had to learn is I had to be completely broken before I could surrender. Um, I always thought that I was, I'm broken. You know what I mean? I've gotten there. Day, God, I surrender. I'm broken. And it was just like, not yet, you know, and his timing. I had to wait for his timing. And it was just to be taken down to a level where I made nothing for a year and I still had everything that I ever needed. I had people that picked me up and took me every day. I had people that, and not because I asked them to, they offered Wow. And it's just, you know, just being able to, one of the life skills, um, Mandy, the first time she ever hugged me, I was ready to punch her <laughs> because she doesn't let go. 
And when you're a girl that's been in a trauma, you know, trauma-infested life, you don't want people touching you, one. I don't want people in my bubble unless I invite you there. Right. But then she would grab, so we'd tease for a long time, we would call it a memo, memo hug. <laughs> and, um, and so it, it was learning things that, just watching people love each other mm-hmm. for no reason. Like, I, you know, we all wait for, okay, what do you want? Right. You're waiting for the, mm-hmm. what, what's the, what's the condition? And that's, what are the strings attached to this offering of love that mm-hmm. you're giving me? Right. Yeah. And so we would go out on the streets and just hug the girls on the streets and give them lunches, sit there, put a blanket around them. If it was winter, just talk to them. And they would be like, so eventually they got to know us. And then they would start coming into the well because they wouldn't come into the well because they didn't want help and they didn't want somebody to want something from them. Right. Because they're already being torn down with the jobs that they're doing every day, Mm. you know, and it's just to teach them, you know, hey, I heard from this one. There's a guy out there that's doing this. So be careful of this car and just being able to share information among the girls and just learning and watching them then trust you and come in and say, can I get a drink? Can, do you have something I can eat? And if I didn't, we would find it. And it's that doing that and then, I know I'm jumping around, but I'm working at Hansani. It just gets me so excited thinking about it. It really does. It's just watching the girls. I know it does. I can see the, the joy on your face. when it, you, you love to see people grow. Like, Absolutely. It's what you live for now, isn't it? To see people come through the struggle mm-hmm. and to grow. Stace, what is the thing that most of us misunderstand about addiction and about addicts? Uh, they don't want to be an addict, but it's not a choice. We don't make a choice. That's what a lot of people that have uh, people with addiction in their in their lives, they look at them and say, you choose this. You choose this over being well. That's not That's not true. When you have somebody, when you have something, the enemy calling to you every single day and saying, I can make you feel better. I can do this. I can take those shakes away. All you got to do is this. Mm. It's so hard to play that consequences tape through. You're in that dark, dark place. And all you want to do is end it. You just want that to stop. You don't want to feel it. Um, You don't want to feel anything. You don't want to have any emotions because it could overwhelm you. And most of us on the street have PTSD from something, even if it's the trauma that we cause ourselves by being on the street. Mm -hmm. Um, It's just like, and I tell the girls all the time that I may have not been walking the streets the way that you did, but I sure was at a bar every night trying to find somebody to take me home so I didn't have to sleep on the street. Mm -hmm. And it's no different. Mm -hmm. It's no different. It's no different. Thank you for taking us inside um, like the thoughts of someone that's on the edge, that's that's struggling like that. Mm-hmm. And so what a great point you made that, that addicts don't want to be addicts. No. And so there's a whole lot behind that, what's brought them to that place. Uh, they don't want to be there. They didn't choose it. And then you also said, it's so hard to let that consequence tape play out because it's so painful. You want to numb it. You want to numb mm-hmm. the pain. That's that is quite a profound statement. The consequence tape mm-hmm. play the movie like now a healthy Stacy, you would before you made a choice about something, you could play that consequence tape and let it play like in your mind. Think through if I do this, it's going to lead me to this, mm-hmm. like literally play the movie. Mm-hmm. How does this story end? Mm-hmm. And that could stop you in your tracks mm-hmm. from making a mistake. But a lot of people haven't gotten to that level 
of of strength yet because right. it's it's so painful. Right. And they they just want the pain to stop. Yeah. They don't want to see. They don't want to see tomorrow. Right. So they're not looking forward to tomorrow because they don't know what that means for them. So there's two tapes. You can play the consequence tape of I choose this, this happens, this happens. Or maybe in 10 years, and they, they can't think about 10 years. They can't think about 10 minutes from now. Mm. And that's one of the hardest things about getting girls off the street into recovery. And Anne Arundel County crisis has changed so much with that. They're like they're na- nationally known now, and they're teaching the country, and not, even I think even the world, uh, how to do it, what, how to make this. And it's like until we had that where we could say a girl, when a girl came in and said, I'm ready for treatment. Mm-hmm. You have to act right then, right then, not come back in an hour, Right. not come back tomorrow morning. I got an appointment for you. You have to do it right then. You have to grab her, love her, hold her until you can get there. And Anne Arundel County Crisis has been such a game changer in that where we can just take them to the fire department um, and say we have a safe, safe station um, person to come in and then they take they take care of the rest they take them to detox uh, wow. get them set up they take them to treatment but it's got to you can't force somebody into rehab right you can't they have to make it's, the decision they have to make the choice and then you have to act on it immediately yes because if you give them time to think about it, right. it's too painful. Right. And if you're in there every day, come on, let's go to treatment. Let's go to treatment. They're not doing it. I mean, I've had girls that have come back to me and say, you know, in the beginning, when we first, when I first met you, I mean, I have girls that I've been working with for over 10 years now. And it's just like in the beginning when I met you and I went to rehab because I take them to a hotel. I used to take them to a hotel. And if I couldn't get them in right away, that way they could stay with me. I could watch them. I could help them. And sometimes they were running from dealers from, you know, and right. that's a whole nother whole game. Right. And, and it's just, so the girls, we would take them to the hotel before we took them to rehab. But Anne Arundel County Coast has changed that for us and for so many people. And um, it's, it's a wonderful avenue to just be able to get them in there because if if you don't do it right then, you miss that opportunity and they're back there. They're gone again. Mm. They went and got high and they're just in the next cycle doing it again. Stace, for uh, people who have loved ones who are struggling right now with addiction, how can we help them? Um, if they're in an Anne Arundel County area, um, there's Anne Arundel County crisis. Um, obviously, I, I promote them heavily um, They for mental health issues as well as addiction. Um, we can take them to a safe station fire department, uh, any fire department in Anne Arundel County. Let's say you've got a family member, you know, someone that's that's struggling with addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, how could how could we be a, a loving family member? Do we confront? Um, that's hard. Um, you can confront them with the facts, but you don't degrade them. You don't judge them. You can say this is what happened here, and that's a fact. You can't say. You're choosing to do this, and I don't know why you're messing up this family, and I don't know. Why are you choosing to do this all the time? Why do you always spend your money on this? Right. You're not getting anywhere. But if you state the facts mm-hmm. without judgment, you mm-hmm. state the facts, and you try to help them mm-hmm. see. I love you. I love you so much. That's the fact. Yes. <laughs> That's what it should always start with. You should sit next to them. You should hug them. You should cry with them. And let them know that you're hurting too. And 
and being able to do that um, in a safe environment, even if you need somebody, if you need somebody with you, but it's got to be in a non-judgmental way. It's got to say, I'm hurting with you. Mm. I'm grieving with you. I don't want this for you. You know, and you have to see that down to their level, because if you're not on their level, you're not getting anywhere. Gosh, you're so wise. Thank you for that. Fill in the blank for me, if you would, Stace. When I think about my future, I feel... I feel I'll be filled with the glory of God. Um, without a doubt, that's my first and foremost. Um, I, I feel that we will have many houses. Our goal is to open a women and children's house by the end of the year. So we're, and that's the next step for some of our girls who have children. Um, you can't put them, you can't say, okay, you've been here a while, you're ready to go. Now go, go right back into the stressful situation that made right. you an addict. Right. We, it, there's got to be a baby step where you have this house where now your kids can come and spend the weekend. Yeah. Now, how did you feel after that weekend? Right. Let's work through that. Let's process that, you know, but it's got to be baby steps. You can't, you can't throw them back out. Because they have a year clean. Oh, great. You got a year clean. You're done. Right. That's that's not the way it works. It's, this is not a, a quick fix. People, no. people aren't projects. Yes. And um, when you have someone struggling in addiction, it's not a quick fix. It, it takes people like you, Stacey, who are, who are committed, who are steadfast, who are full of love, and who are willing to be uh, in the trenches alongside of people, loving people. I, I'm so impacted by you. And by the way that you love, it it makes me want to do a better job mm. at really um, investing in people and, and putting in the time. I, I I mean, I can get so swept up in the, you know, I'm running here, I'm running there, I'm, I'm checking things off my list. And people are never things that you check off a list. Mm. They're, they're people mm. <laughs> with, with nuances and different places in their journey. And they mm. need people who are going to be present, who are, who are attentive to the Holy Spirit, you know, who are following God's guidance and direction. Um, I'm proud of you. And I'm so honored to be your friend. Stacy. thank you for sharing your story. You. How can people reach out to you or find out more about Love Wins? Mm. Um, lovewinsmovement.com. Okay. Um, off of the Church of Seven Run also has that website. And I just want to say that it's it's a thing too. Like I thought I would be at the well forever, really, because I had tried leaving once or twice, and I and I was always called back. I I couldn't say no to this next opportunity. Mm -hmm. It was my next step, mm -hmm. and God had aligned it at the perfect time when yeah. He wanted me to do it. And I'm so empowered by Pastor Drew and Vicky. Um, they allow me to make decisions, good or bad. They allow me to make them, and then they walk through me with the consequences. Um, so they have me growing constantly, too. And it's such an amazing thing um, to be able to do that and let the, let the girls see that, yeah, I shouldn't have done that. I probably should have done it this way. And saying to them, this you, this is a community. This is your house. Right. Tell me how you feel about the decision. Um, tell me what you think I, I should have done. Right. Um, that doesn't mean that, that it's your decision. That means that I want your buy-in, your impact, but I'm still going to make the decision. Right. Um, but it's just being able to be empowered and be loved by them the way that I am. And it's I, we hope to have 50 houses in the next couple of years, honestly. Amen. But at point at this point, we can't afford to buy another house, so we're looking to rent rent one, so that we can do these next steps. These we can do these next phases. Lovewinsmovement.com, mm -hmm. um, and we invite people to check it out. Yeah, uh, you absolutely. Know, check it out, find out more information, and maybe there's ways that our listeners could help. 
Um, I bless you, my sister. Thank you so much. In the name of our Father mm. um, and our Lord Jesus Christ, I bless you. And mm. I pray his favor upon you, um, his peace over your life. I pray that he would give you courage. You're one of the bravest women I know. Um, and that he would literally, Stacy, just, just keep strengthening you and giving you energy to do everything that he's called you to. And that you would always, always know that you are beloved above and beyond anything that you do for other people. Stacy, my friend, always know that you are beloved of God just because you're here. Mm. I thank God for your life. I just want to thank you for walking alongside me and being there to help me with it. What an honor. Thank mm-hmm. you. You know, just when I get discouraged about the state of things in the world, I get to talk with someone like Stacy, and my heart is overflowing with hope. What an incredible person. Thank you so much for being a part of our listening community. Your Day Brighter is produced by me, Tracy Tiernan, for Brighter Media Group. Our executive producer is John Lawhon. Special thanks to our amazing team, Todd Gaddy, Caroline Burke, Aaron Branham, and Jared Akerst. You guys are the best. And thank you so much for listening. Share the podcast. Spread it around. If you love it, would you please leave a review so that other people can find it? You know, the power of story can change a life, can change a community. It can change the world. Tell somebody your story today. Or better yet, ask to hear theirs. Thanks for listening.